elementary school, I thought I was like the coolest kid ever, okay? And, oh man, I wish I could go back because that was a complete lie. All right, now I have a brother who's five years older than me and I thought it was so cool if I wore his clothes to school. Okay, and now I think we have a picture of this. It's so embarrassing. So that was like my favorite hoodie that he owned, okay? And I was like three foot nothing not much has changed, but I would wear that all the time, okay? And I would also wear his basketball shorts, all right? And now I looked so cool, or what I thought was cool. And don't worry, it gets even better for when I went into middle school. Now I went being a super tomboy, wearing my hair and like a low pony every day to being like the scene kid, ooh, like super mysterious. But I wasn't like, the emo kid, because if you were emo, then you had to be like super like dark and like, eh, like you hate life. And that wasn't me. So the next best thing was like the scene kid, which was like the happy one. And I think I have a picture of that too. Let me see. So like, <laughs> y'all, I straight up had a comb over that started like right here and went all the way over. And like, I don't, don't even ask what I was wearing. I also had these super, cool in the moment neon pink and green cheetah pants okay like like super tight jeans that I was like what's up mom paid 80 bucks for these and I wore them twice and now I don't I don't know how I got my mom to buy me those pants all right but they were ridiculous but I was like obsessed with this idea of trying to fit in that I could control how I looked then I could control who my friends would be Right, if I could control, if I was like the scene kid, then I already had friends that were scene kids. So I could automatically control the outcome of the friendships of kids that I would have. And now I was like, like I had to fit in, right? Like I had to belong. And that was the one area that I could control is how I could dress. And that would determine who I could fit in with and how I would fit in with them. And now I know we have all been there, right? We have all wanted to fit in. We've all wanted to be the kids that felt accepted, that felt like we belonged to just something. But the Bible says in John that we don't fit in, right? That we are only living in this world. We're not even a part of it. And Jesus, y'all, Jesus straight up didn't even fit in. So if Jesus doesn't fit in, then that's pretty freaking awesome that you guys don't fit in, right? Then I don't want to fit in because if my God didn't even fit in, then I don't want to. And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna change gears a little bit and I want you guys to think of the person that you are. And now I want you to think about like, if there's like a group project, are you the one that has to be in control, right? Because if you're in control, then you know the outcome right, then you can do your best to get that A instead of an F, right? If you're in control, then you can determine how everybody else can do, right? Or are you the one that is always picking where you and your friends should go to lunch at because you can control that situation? Or maybe you're like, uh-uh, Brittany, hold up, no, I am the complete opposite. Please, like, do not put me in charge. Lord, no, uh-uh. Like, what kind of person are you? And tonight, I wanna to talk about this idea of lordship. 
All right, and, and lordship is recognizing that Jesus is Lord, right? So the day that you got saved, the day that you called upon him, needing a savior, needing rescue, is also a day that you had to make him Lord, right? And lordship means that Jesus is king over everything, absolute control. And so the day you called upon him is the day that you recognize that. And tonight, I wanna give you three different, three different points of how we can surrender control to Jesus and make him Lord. But before I hit those points, I wanna go through my story a little bit. And, and now this is like an area that I struggle in a lot and I think it's an area that a lot of us tend to struggle in is, is when we get saved, when we called out saying, Jesus, I recognize I can't do this on my own. I recognize that I need a savior is we like to pick the different parts of Jesus that we like, right? We like to pick and we like to choose and we like the acceptance part of Jesus. We like the part that allows us to fit in with him, right? And we like the part that says, oh man, I got so drunk and I messed up so bad, but good thing he forgives me, right? Those are the parts, but it's when we start talking about this idea of a Lord, when we start talking about this idea of a lordship and recognizing, crap, I don't get to pick what parts I like about Jesus. It's either all or it's nothing. And I think it's especially hard in our generation because the way we are raised, the way our generation is raised, and I'm right there with you guys, is we don't want anybody controlling us, right? We don't want anybody telling us how we should live our lives. We don't want anybody saying, you can't do that. Oh, don't make that mistake. Oh. That was a bad choice, right? We want to make the mistakes. We don't want to be told what to do. And so I know for me, this idea of lordship scares me, right? And that is a selfish place to be in, is that this, I want to make the choice. I want to do this. I want to do this. That is selfish. And the day that you asked Jesus to save you, and the day that you called upon him, we don't get to say that anymore. See, I, I grew up in church. It was actually this church, in fact, back when it was Vertigo. And, and I remember Pastor Jay, I was doing like the whole like salvation message and do you wanna make Jesus your savior? And I was like, ah, oh, well, Sierra's doing it, so I guess so. And like the truth is, is I didn't understand what Jesus meant and I didn't know what it meant to have Jesus Lord over my life. And so I did it, I got saved because everybody else was being saved and that was like the cool thing to do. And so that's where my mindset was, right? Because everybody else was doing it. Plus growing up, my dad was like a youth pastor. So I was like, oh, brownie points. I get the extra piece of cake at dinner like for accepting Jesus, how cool. Right, and, and I just did it, not knowing that lordship actually meant surrendering control. And I didn't get that part. And so the stakes, the stakes are high when it comes to surrendering control. And I know this, and I thought, okay, all right, I don't wanna do this. And so it was like, that was probably when I was like in middle school going through like my weird emo scene phase. So I was like, man, I can live for myself. And it wasn't until I was 16 that I had recommitted my life to Christ. 
And in that moment, I had a choice to make, and it was terrifying, is I can either surrender all of this control or I can keep it for myself and I can be the Lord of my life. Right? And, and I thought, all right, listen, Jesus, if you're like so cool and all this stuff, um, do I actually want to make you the Lord of my life? Like, do I actually trust in a God who created me? Like, I know standing here now, it sounds like, well, duh. But like back then, like, do we really put our trust and do we surrender all of our control? And so the stakes were high and I decided, all right, this is gonna go super awesome or this is gonna suck like no other and I'm gonna regret my decision. All right, so I did it. All right, and I, I made Jesus the Lord and I said, I don't care what you do, I don't care, you can have all of this control, that's cool, I'll live under you. And y'all, it was like the best decision I could have ever made. And, and, and I know we, we weigh it out and we're like, that's cool, it was good for you, but is it gonna be good for me? But the thing is, is like when we make God the Lord of our lives, and you, you start to think like, okay, if I do this, if I make God the Lord over my life, my problems are gonna be gone, right? I'm not, I'm not gonna have to worry anymore, I'm not gonna be scared anymore, like, woo, my path is paved, like, no more problems. That is complete crap, okay? So when we, Make God the Lord of our life, our problems don't go away, and our circumstances may not change, but the outcome does, right? When, when life gets hard, when life gets rough, we can't control what happens to us, but we control how we respond to it, right? And so, and so when you make God the Lord of your life and you step back and you say, I don't want this. I don't want to be in control anymore. I want you to. Guys, the burdens fall off, okay? And the stress falls off because you are no longer carrying it. And instead, you're putting your trust in a God who created you, right? Somebody who knows you better than anybody else. And I'm not saying it's easy to surrender control, right? It's not easy to step back and put all of your trust in a God that you've never seen. But it's worth it. What do you have to lose? It's literally so worth it. Ask any one of us in this room who have done it. Right? Making God my Lord was the best decision in the world. And when everything comes against you and you step back and you say, I trust that you have it. And he says, I've got this. It is literally like nothing else in this whole world. And, and to be honest, I wrestled with it a lot in and the idea of letting God become my Lord sucked, okay? Now I, little fun fact about Brittany Bicky is I wanted to be a veterinarian, okay? And now, I don't know what you guys just laughed. And now, <laughs> if you know me, this is when it gets funny. I went to R5 high school, and so I don't know if you guys know like a lot about R5, but R5 is a place where you go where you have like bad grades or you get kicked out or you're like pregnant or something. None of those were me, all right? Just, I just need to clear, clear that up right now. Okay, but I went to R5, and I didn't really care about getting good grades. I didn't really care about doing well in school. I didn't really care about any of it. And so how am I supposed to be a veterinarian? And so that idea was kind of like, mm, not ever gonna happen, which, <laughs> thank you, Jesus, it didn't. But, but the truth is, before I was saved, I felt this longing in my spirit. 
right? There was something in me that was like, there has to be more than just being a veterinarian, right? There has to be more than doing a day-to-day life. There has to be more than just going through these motions that I'm going through every day. There has to be something. And so I was at this retreat called Amped, and it's so similar to what we do at conference, and this is why we press for you guys to go to conference, but when I was at Amped, it was, I was like, I was 16, that's when I had recommitted my life, and, and for the very first time, I remember it was a Sunday, and we had just finished up the session, and so we're all stacking chairs, and we're about to load the bus, and so we're stacking these chairs, and I'm like, I don't really know where all my friends are, so I guess like I have to work, like I have to stack these chairs. And so I'm stacking them and for the very first time in my life, I heard the Lord speak to me. Okay, well at the time, I didn't know it was the Lord, I thought it was me. And, and I heard YWAM, go to YWAM. And I was like, oh cool girl, you just made up a new word, that's awesome. That was, it was the Lord speaking to me, okay. And so fast forward, two years later, I'm now graduated, and when you graduate, you're faced with all these choices, right? You go 18 years of your life being told what to do, and then all of a sudden it's like, be a good person in humanity and make all of these great choices. And you're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? So there's college, I can go to work, I can travel, I can take a semester off, I don't have to work, I don't have to travel, I don't have to go to school, right? You're faced with all of these different choices. And the Lord brought me back to this place and he said, hey, remember YWAM? Look it up. And I was like, okay, well, I have nothing to lose. So I look it up and it turns out that YWAM is called Youth with a Mission, right? And it's this six-month mission school and you can go anywhere in the country or you could go anywhere in the United States, literally anywhere and you're gone. It's a nonprofit, so you're not getting paid. And it's six months. And so I was like, screw this man, I'm not doing that, that's ridiculous. So I went. And so I go, <laughs> classic God, right? He always wins. And, and so I go and, and I was wrecked. By God, right? I got to discover who I am, who he says I am, my identity, all of these things that I would never take back in six months. And and I stepped out of my comfort zone and I left. And so I got back and it was like a week later, Pastor Sarah sat me down at Starbucks here on 24 Road and she's like, hey, Brittany, we like really want to see if you want to intern here and you should pray about it. And I was like, nope. I'm not doing that. I just got back from six months of not being paid to do anything. Like I need to go have an actual job. And so in my mind, I was like, no, I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. Like I had just stepped out of my comfort zone. I'm not about to step out again. So I did it. And I I took that minute and I stepped back and I said, God, is this what you want me to do? And he said, yeah, do it. And so two and a half years go by, okay, that I'm interning. Two and a half years. All right, and now let me tell y'all, I'm very grateful for it now. Don't worry, thank you, boss. But while you're an intern, it's a little rough, okay? It's not just like the funny dramas that you see up here, all right? It's not just being able to preach. It's not just hanging out with you guys every week. It's the stuff that you don't see, right? It's, it's all the errands that you have to run when you're on empty, on like your gas is about to explode or whatever. And it's doing all of these different things and it's learning and it's messing up and it's learning a new team dynamic 
when I went from being a manager to now being, I need to know when to shut up, right? And so it's learning all of these different things. And that's the very first point I wanna talk about that taught me how to surrender control is doing something, right? And so I stepped out, right? I made the choice to intern. I made the choice to leave for six months. I made the choice to work Chick-fil-A and interning at 80 hours a week. I made these choices. I made the choice to move out, right? I made all of it. But sometimes all God wants us to do is do something, right? When I surrendered that control after I said, uh-uh, no way in heck I am interning, I stepped back and I was like, wait, 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 God, what do you want from me? And he said, I want you to intern. So I did it. Guys, God can't work with nothing. He can't work if you sit there feeling sorry for yourself that you feel you have no direction to go in. You have to step up and you have to ask him what you want and do it. All right, step out in faith. It was like this one time. <laughs> I had just learned how to ride a bike and um, my friend wanted to race me and so I was like, heck yeah, I'll race you. And so we were racing and then all of a sudden I'm now flying on the ground and cheese grating my entire body on the pavement. Right, and, and I may have failed, but I did something. Right, so like, go Brit. But like, that's the thing. Who cares if you're gonna fail? You're trying something, right? You're doing something, you're stepping out in faith and you're saying, all right God, I really don't wanna do this, but I'm gonna do it. And so two and a half years of interning, right? And every time, every time I would re-up my internship, I was told, Brittany, you know there's no spot for you here full time. I'm like, yeah, I know, I had to accept that. Right? I had to accept that I'm gonna literally be the intern for the rest of my life. And I was kind of okay with it. <laughs> and I had to accept that, all right, I'm just gonna work at Chick-fil-A for the rest of my life. But I had also accepted the fact that God didn't know what he was doing. That because there was no opening for me here, I accepted that God, clearly you have no idea what you're doing, so I'm gonna step back in that place of control. Because two and a half years of discipline, of practice, it's leading me nowhere, so you don't know what you're doing. And so I took God off of his rightful place of being the Lord, and I put myself there instead. See, the minute I did that, I lost a vision of what God wanted me to do. I was insecure, I was no longer confident in who I was. I was insecure in my abilities that God had given me. I didn't, I didn't even see a plan for my life, I saw absolutely no future of where God was leading me. None of it. Because I took back what is God's rightful place in the first place. And, and it led me to the point of two and a half years later of being in control of my own life that I came home one night from Chick-fil-A and it was like legit like midnight and I had to work at 5.30 the next morning solid job, Brit. And, and I got real with the Lord, which is our second point. It's to get real with him. And I was like, God, I have no idea what you were calling me to do. And I'm angry and I'm pissed and I'm hurt. And I see absolutely no plan for my future. And there's so much frustration. Where are you? 
got real with him. And y'all, I don't know if you know this, but like God literally created everything. He can handle us at our worst, right? He can handle us in our anger, in our frustrations and everything. So get real with him. And it came out of a place of realness with the Lord that I had to step back and realize, oh, Britt, you're the one in control, not God. Right, and so, and so I said, all right, God, I am so sorry that I took control for those years. I'm so sorry that I thought that I had a better plan for my life than the one who created me did. And so I stepped back and I said, Lord, I'm sorry, will you please take your rightful place as the Lord? And two days later, I got hired on here full-time staff as a children's pastor. But it's not just about this relinquishing control. It's about a relationship with him. See, you can't have control and a relationship. They don't coexist with God. It's one or the other. Right, when I took control of my life, insecurities hit. No plan for my future hit me. I saw no vision of where I'm going. I didn't know who I was. I didn't hear from the Lord as clearly as I used to. I didn't feel his presence with me everywhere I went because I was in control. But the minute I stepped back, I said, God, I'm sorry. We entered back into that relationship, right? It's just like any other friendship you have, right? Like I know I can go to Pastor Sarah whenever I want, right? And we have this great friendship where we can laugh together and cry together and joke together and we can be real with one another. God wants that with you. He wants that real relationship with you. And it's not just a give and take. It's it's a two-way street. God wants to talk to me, and I want to talk to him. I want to be in full relationship with him as if I'm talking to a best friend. And that's what he has for us. But you have to let something go. You have to let this control go because you can't have both, and I promise you, he's so worth it. And so Galatians 2.20a says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The minute you were saved, the minute you called upon Jesus, you no longer became your own, right? This just said, you're crucified with Christ, right? We're not us when we get saved anymore. We're God's. And so, and so what I mean is, is the minute you ask Jesus to be the Lord over your life, to be the Lord over every area, over your desires, good or bad, over your plans that you had for your life, when you want him to take control, you have to tell him. Right, you just have to tell him, God, I want you in every single area of my life to have control in. And I know it's scary. This idea that you're not the one who gets to guide your life anymore. But oh my gosh, guys, if you knew how worth it it is. See, I will surrender any day who I am if it means that I get all of him. Isn't that the best place to live in? That when I realize I can't do it, 
God knows how to do it better in the first place. Like he created you. You don't think he already knows what he has planned for you? Right, like that more that I was talking about. There's a longing for more. I'm in that right now. Right? I'm living in the what I thought was not imaginable. See, Luke 9.23 says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Surrendering is not about giving up everything that you love. It's about stepping back and seeing what he has for you is better. Who would have thought that I would be a pastor? That is literally, y'all, the last job I would have ever thought that I would have. But it sure beats picking up after sick animals. (laughs) It's true. But I'm still learning how to do this with you guys. I'm still learning how to surrender the control over. There's a lot of areas in my life that I'm hesitant about, that it scares me to death that I have to trust God in these areas, that I can't be in control of them. So I'm right there with you. But I'm learning, okay, it's just like a relationship. We mess up, but he forgives us, right? It's not just something that happens overnight. But he has grace when we do mess up. And I think, I think when we think about this idea of letting God have complete control, the enemy starts to whisper some things to us. Right, and, and, and I bet you you've heard this one. Why trust in a God you can't even see? Right, why give a God full control when you can't even see him? You can handle it better than yourself. Or, or, or why go to 4640 conference when you have to pay for your own gas so you might as well go work? Right, or, or why? Why not just skip Tuesday night service because, you know, you're only in high school once and so you might as well live it up with your friends while you can. Right? He's sneaky and he knows what gets us. Right? And he lies and it's so easy to believe us. But the truth is, is Jesus died on a cross for you. He literally surrendered all of who he was for all of who you are in hopes that you would choose him in hopes that you would carry on this relationship with him, that you would step back and say, I can't be in control anymore, but I need a savior to come and be the Lord over my life because clearly my life's not going the way that I wanted it to. We have to step back. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And now I want you, I want us to take a minute Okay, to think about who is actually leading our lives, right? Who is actually in the spot of where God is? Is it school? Are you so consumed with getting good grades that you ditch out on 46 every Tuesday? Are you, are you so consumed with this idea that you want to fit in so bad so you let your friends decide what you do? Is it going out? Is it partying? Is it wanting to just fit in with this crowd? Because you want to feel accepted. Truth is you're already accepted by a king who gave everything for you. 
And so I want you to think about this because it is something that I have to wake up daily and say, God, I choose to make you the Lord over my family. I choose to make you the Lord over my finances. I choose to make you the Lord over everything. And get real with him. He can handle our realness. He can handle our hurts, our frustrations. But you need to see who's actually controlling your life. And lastly, if you you want to make God the Lord of your life, all you have to do is tell him. Right? All you have to do is ask him. Right? God, I'm sorry for taking control. I'm sorry for being the leader. I'm sorry for being my own Lord. Will you please step back into being the Lord over my life? That's all you do. So God, I pray right now that you would show each and every one of these kids, bring it to their mind of who is leading their life. If it's you, God, that's awesome. If it's not, Lord, would you help them make you the Lord again? Will you help them see that you are so worth it? You are so worth being in control. God, we trust that you have given us a hope and a future. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would just instill that in each and every one of these kids, God, that you have given them a hope and a future. God, I pray that we are sorry for putting ourselves in your spot. Lord, we're sorry for putting anything else that is not you in your rightful place. Jesus, we love you. And I ask that you would come and be the Lord over our lives again. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.